Hi everybody and a very pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be. I'm Mr. Daniel and this is Jen and this is the Park Middle School Sunday School Podcast. Welcome. Well guys, there's an old axiom or saying in life that all good things must come to an end. <laughs> and Miss Jen, today is our very last middle school podcast that we will be doing yeah and it has been sweet it has been wonderful i never thought that we would have the privilege of doing a podcast like this and having a setup uh where we would be doing a podcast and then be doing a zoom meeting but it's been really great yeah i've i've really enjoyed it um it's become a sweet time that we've gotten to sit down and really like talk about the word together and um, being able to share that with you guys here online and and then to be able to get together and actually laugh and talk and share more about the word and challenge each other has been a really sweet time and, and it's just been a continuation of what we already get to do on Sunday mornings normally uh, which, which we're looking forward to hopefully being back to after the summer. Yep and the reason I say that it's the last time is because beginning this Wednesday night I had been corresponding with Pastor Dave uh, you guys, there will be a middle school meeting, a gathering, and I think the first one is going to be outside. So for this transition week, you're going to be listening, as you are currently, to the podcast, and then the interns and the residents there will be leading the discussion mm -hmm. on Wednesday night for this week. Yep. And then after this week, we are turning the reins over to the fully capable and fully adept hands of the interns and the residents. But guys, we just want to say that we have missed you once again during this time. We love you dearly. And just to be frank, I cannot wait till things get back to normal <laughs> somewhat. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But once again, we love you guys. We miss you tremendously. So much. We'll remind you of this at the end of the podcast, but there will be no Zoom meeting tomorrow night. The Zoom meetings for us are done, but the discussion that you'll be having about what you hear and listen to now will be had with the interns and residents this Wednesday night if you're able to come at church. Yep. Well guys, for our last one, we are kind of catching up uh, in the book of our, our in our Sunday school book but we're going to be in John chapter 4 this week. Some of your siblings or others might have looked at this last week, but we are looking at it this week to close us out. And so our final lesson this week is going to be on John chapter 4, verses 7 through 26. So go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn with us, if you would, to John chapter 4, verses 7 through 26. And as you turn in your Bible to this uh, portion of scripture, you're going to see that this is a very well-known story. To most of you, I would think, this is the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria. And so what we're going to do is that Miss Jen is going to read our text, verses 7 through 26, and then she's going to pray, and we're going to walk through it together. Yep, so let's jump in here. John 4, verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. 
for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where are you getting this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give you will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up from him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said to me is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am He. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the time that we can come together again today, that we're able to open up your word and study it and talk about it. Uh, we're so thankful, Lord, for the truth that you've given us written down. Let it become engraven on our hearts, evident in our lives, and changing us to be more like you. We love you, and now just ask that you to open the word to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and so, guys, as we are going to start in verse 7... I just want to give a little bit of background as to the situation and as to what is going on. There is a reason why there is a discord between the Samaritans and the Jews. As we're going to see, one of the things that shocked the woman incredibly at the very beginning is the very notion that Jesus would even talk to her. And the reason for that is because of the incredible angst that was between the two groups, the Samaritans and the Jews. Just listen, listen real quick, I have a, a note to read on this, but this is really going to set the stage for us to understanding the situation and the context of our story today. This note says, When the nation of Israel split politically after Solomon's rule, King Omri named the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel Samaria. The name eventually referred to the entire district and sometimes to the entire northern kingdom which had been taken captive by Assyria in 722 BC. While Assyria led most of the populace of the ten northern tribes away, 
it left a sizable population of Jews in the northern Samaritan region and transported many non-Jews into Samaria. These groups intermingled to form a mixed race through intermarriage. Eventually, tensions developed between the Jews who returned from captivity and the Samaritans. The Samaritans withdrew from the worship of Yahweh at Jerusalem and established their worship at Mount Gerizim in Samaria. Samaritans re re regarded excuse me, only the Pentateuch as authoritative. So that means, Miss Jen, they only saw the first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament as authoritative and from God. As a result of this history, Jews repudiated Samaritans. It means they shunned them and considered them heretical. Intense ethnic and cultural tensions raged historically between the two groups so that both avoided contact as much as possible. Now that was a longer note, guys, but I want us to understand that at the very beginning there was an angst and a tension mm -hmm. between Jesus, a Jew, and this woman who was a Samaritan in an ethnic capacity, let alone the way that a woman was viewed right. during this time. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, let's go ahead and just walk right back through what Miss Jen just read and just make a few comments here along the way. That there was this woman who was of Samaria and she went to draw water and the Lord just said something very, very simple. Give me a drink. Now, I don't know about you, Miss Jen, but you, well, especially you, <laughs> being a mom, yeah. one of the most common phrases that can be uttered to a mom <laughs> or to a parent, but specifically a mom, mom, can I have a drink? <laughs> very common. <laughs> One At of least the things, in the Huddle, Huddleston house, it is very Absolutely. <laughs> Can I have a drink? And so what's cool and what's so brilliant, guys, is that the Lord's ministry is composed of so many seemingly small introductions between him and others. He walked up to this lady. He was sitting there, and a few verses before, it says that it was about the sixth hour, and... This could that could actually be interpreted two different ways, Miss Jen. If it was Roman time, it would be six in the afternoon, or if it was Jewish time, it would be noon. Mm -hmm. But if it was anything like it is now, yeah. it was hot. <laughs> yes, things are heating up, guys. It's starting to feel more like summer, and so the Lord just asks her for a drink, and then verse verse eight just tells us that it's very important to note that it was just him mm -hmm. who is speaking with this woman because the disciples had gone away into the city to get food. And then our conversation really gets underway here in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, she was shocked. Yeah, completely She taken was aback. taken aback. Mm -hmm. She was, whoa. She was completely marveling because she said, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? And then John puts this interjection here, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Mm -hmm. Now, was it good and was it right that they, were not, that they did not deal with each other? No. Miss Jen, what is the ultimate root and cause of any time there is hatred or animosity from one group to another? 
Is it something recent? Because even in our mo even in our most recent times, mm -hmm. there is angst in our society. There is um, there is a call for tension. one group towards another group and yep. tension. Yep. Is that something new or is in recent, or has that been going on for a while? No, it's been going on for a while, and the, and the root of that is sin, right? It is sin in my heart, right? My heart that I have against somebody else. So that's something that I actually had this text conversation with somebody last night hmm. in regards to this exact thing. Is it okay to want to get back at someone? Hmm. Is it okay to want to cause harm to someone else because yeah. they've done you wrong, mm -hmm. right? And you immediately have to say, what's your heart intent there? What's going on inside there? You know, it's a sin in your yeah. own heart you have to deal with. Um, that it's, you know, the Lord says forgive 70 times 7. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you got to come down to the root of it, of it being sin in your life and know it is not right. Yeah, and it goes back, like you said, to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, human history is replete. There are tons of examples yep. of certain groups and individuals hating and murdering and killing other groups. Yeah. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And the stem of it, and what's interesting is that in Ezekiel 18, it talks about that God punishes individuals for their individual sin. It is never okay. Mm -mm. It is always sinful and it is always wrong to harbor hatred mm -hmm. in, in one's heart toward another individual. And so at the very beginning, we can understand that this is a broken system. This is a broken scenario that Jesus is dealing with and that Jesus is dealing in. In verse 10, Jesus responds as he is so loving and as he is so kind. He says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Mm -hmm. And what's important about that, Miss Jen, is that while this woman was purely focused on the physical request that Jesus was making of her, the Lord elevates it and he takes her incredulity or he takes the fact that she was shocked that he would even ask her for a physical drink of water and he elevates it to the spiritual level when he says, my friend, if you knew who it was that was just asking you for a simple cup of water, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Now what's important to know is that she does not understand what yeah. he is saying. She's still thinking in the physical realm, she's still thinking in the physical context because she responds to him with not understanding what he has said. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So what she is seeing through her physical lens uh, in this conversation is she's still thinking practically yeah what do you mean you could have given me something you're just sitting there this yeah. this is a very deep well yeah. you don't understand what you're talking about yeah, sir yeah. because you don't have anything to get down and you're talking about giving me a drink you're talking about giving me something which he was a guy he probably didn't go to the well very often and have to draw water well no and that brings up a great point because <laughs> whose responsibility was it right it was the woman yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was the ladies who were accustomed to going and retrieving the yeah. water Serving that was needed and taking it back to their households. Mm -hmm. So she still, she doesn't understand when he says that he would have given her 
living water. Yeah. She doesn't understand because she just says, um, you don't have anything to get yeah. water with. It's not like you can create a spring that just pops up and starts flowing right there. Yeah, and I wonder because <laughs> she says, where then do you get that living water? What are you talking about? Yeah, I could just see her using air quotes for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's that quote unquote living water? <laughs> and it's important to note, guys, that whenever you look throughout the Gospels, there's many times that people are just seeing Jesus is a man mm -hmm. and they don't understand who he is and this is one instance mm -hmm. where she's he looks just like any other Jew there was nothing there was no halo around his head mm -hmm. and so she doesn't understand what he means by living water and then verse 12 really gives us insight into her questioning him and not understanding what she means in his offer to her you are not greater than our father Jacob are you I just imagine, Miss Jen, because there's many times in the Bible where it, the Bible is telling us exactly what we need to know in order right. to trust the Lord for salvation and to understand His truth that He's given us for right now. But one thing the Bible does not tell us is body language. <laughs> right, that facial I just, expression. Like so many times when the Lord would have put His head in His ha hands when the disciples just didn't get it. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't tell that. I just wonder, and there's no way to know this. Yeah. But when she says in the conversation with the Lord Jesus, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? If he would have just given a very kind, soft grin. <laughs> because she's talking to God. God. She's talking to the one who made everything and like the Bible says, is upholding it and sustaining it by the word of his power. And how kind of him, just in that, right? That comment that she makes so basic right of just questioning mm -hmm. that he doesn't look at her and say you idiot mm -hmm. do you not know who i am you know he doesn't puff himself up yep. he continues to draw her out through the conversation he doesn't whack her up the side of the head right and i think that's something for us again i think we've talked about this multiple times throughout the podcast but just how kind humble and gentle and patient the Lord yes. is. All those characteristics that we need to strive for, right? Absolutely. We were listening to, to the sermon this morning oh, by Pastor so Dave good. and he finished with Philippians 2 yep. and how that was the that's the model that we need to emulate. The yep. Lord in humility counted yep. others more significant than himself. Mm -hmm. We are to do the same. Yeah. How vital it is in any conversation with anyone, especially a new believer or an unbeliever who doesn't understand certain truths of the faith to be mm -hmm. patient mm -hmm. and kind and gentle bringing them along and praying for them but you're absolutely right the lord is so gentle in his conversation with her she just finishes in verse 12 uh you're not greater than our father jacob are you who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle and then the lord's response to her in verse 13 he makes this declarative statement he makes this statement of fact Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up in, into or springing up to eternal life. So now he's, it's going back to that situation where he was talking about before. Um, if you would have asked, I would have given you living water. And now he gives a greater description and in greater detail of what he's referring to mm -hmm. and 
he's distinguishing the water that she's getting. Mm -hmm. You drink physical water, mm -hmm. you can drink all the water you want today, mm -hmm. but if you go out tomorrow here in Rock Hill, South <laughs> Carolina and walk around, do some exercise, you will be thirsty again. It's yep. the way that the Lord has made our body. What the Lord is saying here is that in a different way than how our bodies continually thirst and need physical water, when we receive the living water that he gives us, which is himself, mm -hmm. we never thirst again. Which really brings up the idea of satisfaction mm -hmm. and contentment of how mm -hmm. when he gives us himself, what we find in him and in the gospel is satisfaction that we were made for and that we can find in no other location. But it brings up a story that you were sharing with me just a little bit yeah. ago that I think fits perfectly with this. Yeah. So guys, I'm going to take y'all back almost 25 years. Before any of you were well wow, alive. Wow, <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, you'll always love how I talk about the age. But um, What's even better, Miss Jen, is that well before they were alive, but well before probably even the interns or residents who are going to be going through the the lesson with them were alive. So yes. just want to say that. Yeah, Go yeah. ahead with your story. Yeah, enjoy guys. Um, <laughs> But, but t taken back about 25 years ago, I think I was in probably 10th or 11th grade. And I can remember the youth intern who actually had a lesson uh, and talked about, she brought in a glove and she held up the glove and she talked about how we, our glove is our life, mm -hmm. right? And that we like to fill our lives with things that that we believe fulfill us or that we enjoy that may be makeup it could be electronics so like putting a battery in there putting a tube of lipstick in there money right you roll up money stick it down and it'll it'll kind of fill the glove like it'll go into the the little places for your fingers and things like that but it doesn't fill the glove it doesn't complete mm -hmm. the glove right and so it makes us empty. The stuff of this world makes us empty. It doesn't complete us, it doesn't fill us. And it was just so neat because she dumped those things out and she took her hand and she said, my hand is, is a picture of Christ. And when we take our hand and we insert it into the club, which is our life, mm -hmm. it fills it perfectly, right? It fills every part of it. It is the deepest part of satisfaction in your life when you are filled with things of the Lord and not things of this world. And yep. it just made such an impact on me. I've never forgot that, to think of that story 25 years later and share it with middle schoolers now. Absolutely. Um, but that's what the Lord is for us. He fills our life. He completely makes the, the contentment be satisfaction. He is the living he is, water. He is the contentment. There is, since the fall and since we are broken, there is a God-shaped vacuum in all of us. There's yeah. a hole that needs to be rectified and completed. And the Lord Jesus Christ mm -hmm. is that satisfaction and is that living water himself. Yeah. And so you can imagine when he says, and remember, Miss Jen, that she, she is still thinking in a physical sense. Right. He's saying that I, the water I will give you, you will never be thirsty again. Mm -hmm. And so her natural response is in verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Mm -hmm. She's thinking if, if, if he gives her this water, her physical duties will no longer have to be performed. Right. She's not thinking outside of 
the physical context of what the Lord is trying to communicate to her, which is important because immediately, and this is where our story takes a sharp turn, mm -hmm. she is not understanding what the Lord is trying to communicate to her. And so after she says, give me this so that I don't have to ha perform my physical chores anymore, and in a physical sense I won't be thirsty, the Lord cuts to the chase. And what he says is something that is going to bring greater clarity to who he is. Mm -hmm. Because he instantly says, he says something that seems out of place and kind yeah. of odd at first. He says, he said to her in verse 16, go call your husband and come here. Whoa, that would have startled her. And for one main reason, she says in verse 17, I have no husband. And then specifically, she would have been shocked and chilled to the bone when Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. This is where the story yeah. completely changes because she would have been chilled to the bone. We all have things that we don't want other people to know yeah. about us, Miss Jen. We all have certain things that we want to protect uh, ourselves from letting others in and seeing. And this might, this might have been something for this lady. This would have been some shame that she would have been uh, probably known for. Yeah. That those who knew that she had been married this many times, and like the Lord had said, the one that she was with now, she w was not her husband. The Lord gets to the heart of the issue, and the heart of the issue, like we mentioned a little bit ago, is always sin. Her individual sin that would have kept her from God. Mm -hmm. And so he said, or, oh no, the way that she responds in verse 19, I love, after he makes this precision-like uh, confession of her innermost thing that she might have not that she might have been ashamed of yeah, and not wanted know. others mm -hmm. to know. She says, she said to him in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I was just going to say, there, there, is, there is some information out there that says that, that the women used to come to the well at a particular time. And so that's right. There were usually a lot of women kind of coming to the well and getting their water at the same time. And this woman comes to the well by herself. So she wasn't a part of the community of the women in that area, right? Yes. And so this sin really kind of amp, uh, ostracized her. Ostracized yeah. her. People knew that she was not a woman who was married, but that was with men right and that she had relationships that were not right um and so this this him pointing this out and then her saying oh wait a minute you must be right mm -hmm. i just think it's that's something that which kind of takes us back to the beginning she might have been shocked that he was there hanging around at the very time she was right there anyway she slips in, slips which out, right? takes us to a great point thank you miss jen for bringing that up is that the lord speaks to someone who was ostracized, yeah. who has been placed Amen. out of the community. And guys, that is what you and I have been called to do. Yeah. We are to go to those who are poor and oppressed and those who have been socially outcast and be Jesus to them. Yeah. Be Jesus to them, love them where they're at, take God's truth to them 
and share the gospel with them because oftentimes they will be shunned by others. Yeah, and they will be forgotten about yes. by by others, by society. And, you know, that goes more than the poor and oppressed, right? I mean, I think of those with disabilities. I yep. think of kids with special needs, right? It's hard to love them. In your yep. when you're when you're normal and it's really any outcast any of, outcast of society. Of society. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think about um, older saints yep. in care homes and or at home by themselves. It's so easy to make it's easy to forget forget them, them right? Yep. And so those it's not just the poor and the oppressed or those that are different. For it's all the way across the board. That's everywhere in our lives, mm -hmm. right? All the way up from oldest to youngest. There are so many opportunities for that. Absolutely. And so, as she had responded in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she says something very important that, that I want to read a note on. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Well, this kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit a while ago. Be, they had different views on the location of where they were supposed to worship God. One note says, Both Jews and Samaritans recognized that God had commanded their forefathers to identify a special place for worshiping Him. The Jews, recognizing the entire Hebrew canon, chose Jerusalem, and the Samaritans, recognizing only the Pentateuch, noted that the first place Abraham built an altar to God was at Shechem, which was overlooked by Mount Gerizim where the Israelites had shouted the blessings promised by God before they entered the promised land. As a result, they chose Mount Gerizim for the place of their temple. So that's one thing we have to understand. That's what she means when they're worshiping in different locations. But the thing, look at what Jesus says in response. Jesus said to her in verse 21, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. In other words, the worship of God, the true worship of God, will not be relegated to merely a geographical location. Right. He says in verse 22, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23 and 24 are absolutely beautiful. And if there was a main theme for today, it would be verse 24. But look at what the Lord says in verse 23. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Miss Janet blows me away that, there's, that when the Lord talks about worshiping here, he qualifies it, and he's going to qualify it again in verse 24 when he talks about the very nature of who God is. But it said, Jesus says here that the Father seeks true worshipers who worship him in this particular way in spirit and in truth because that's how we have to worship him and then in verse 24 god or jesus says god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth now this brings us to the a very very important point god is a spirit like the lord jesus just said and as we just read the reason that it is so critical, guys, to worship him in both spirit and in truth is because so many people of this world worship God in their spirit. They are 
truly zealous for the God that is in their mind. Muslims mm -hmm. have a certain God that is in their minds. Right. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, have a certain God who is in their minds. But the second way is absolutely critical, and the only way that you're a true worshiper of God is when you worship Him with your whole heart genuinely, mm -hmm. in your spirit, that there's nothing that you're trying to hide from God when you come to Him, but worship him, worshiping Him in spirit, or excuse me, in the truth, has to do with seeing God for who He really is. Mm -hmm. So when we come to the Bible, which we believe is God's Word, that he has revealed to us about who he is, we have to take what the Bible says about who he is and worship him in a way that honors that to be true. Right. Which means I can't just think anything I want about God right. and think that God is gonna receive my worship. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a word for, for that when I just make up any thought about God that I want and I think that's true and that's called an idol. Mm -hmm. People often think that idols were just something that happened in Old Testament times. Yeah. But even today, any time that anybody has an idea about God, about who He is, about any part of Scripture that is describing God and they, and they don't want to receive it, and they say, I don't think that's true. I think God is, and a perfect example, Miss Jen, is I think God is all loving. There's no way that a loving God would send people to hell. Mm -hmm. But that's not what the Bible says. Right. And so they've taken in their mind what they think to be true about God and elevated that above what the Bible has said God is like and what he demands, primarily his holiness and how he's a God of righteousness and justice at the same time that he's a God of love and grace and mercy. So when we, that's a very, very important point that whenever we worship God, the primary way that we please Him in our worship is to be genuine, is that we worship Him in our spirit, that we come to Him with open hands and a pure heart, wanting to thank Him for what He has done and who He is, but in, a, in an equally important way that we worship Him, it is in truth, and it is according to who He is and how He has revealed Himself. As we finish up, the woman said to him, in response to what Jesus said, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. <laughs> and once again, Miss Jen, as this is, if this was like, uh, if this was a movie, if you were able to see it, this is like the climactic mm -hmm. part in the conversation where she still doesn't understand who he is. And she says, what you're saying is profound, and, and I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still looking to someone else. I know that when this Messiah comes, he's going to show us and tell us everything. Yeah, he'll get it all right. And then the Lord doesn't beat around the bush. Nope. He says very simply in verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Gets you goosebumps, doesn't it? It does. I love that. She, he's basically saying to her, that's me. Yeah, yeah. I am yeah. him. Yeah. And the rest of the story talks about how she's going to run to another location and say, come see this man who has told me everything I have that ever is. done. And the thing that I want us just to, as we finish up our podcast, guys, and the, 
the, the series that we've been doing with you, and specifically this session today, remember that the most important two aspects to worship, which is the primary reason that you and I have been created, is that we must worship God in spirit with our whole heart, but we also must worship Him according to truth and according to what He has revealed about Himself and His character. And so that kind of concludes our lesson, guys. We have three questions that go along with our lesson, and one is a head question, one is a heart question, and one is a hands question. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be emailing these out to everybody. Yep, we'll and once tonight. again, you will be discussing this with the interns and residents on Wednesday. But Miss mm-hmm. Jen, would you read for us now yep. those questions? Yep. The first one is, why does God emphasize the importance of worshiping in both spirit and truth? So... Why does God emphasize the importance of worshiping in both spirit and truth? So I challenge you to kind of take that one, put it in your own words from the conversation today, and uh, I hope that conversation goes well. The second one is, what does it mean that the water Jesus provides has the ability to satisfy us completely? So again, this is the heart one. It says, what does it mean that the water Jesus provides has the ability to satisfy us completely? And I'm going to put a little challenge one on there. And I think the challenge one I want you to ask yourself, this may not be for the conversation all time, but the challenge to ask for yourself is, are you allowing the Lord to fill you? Are you allowing the Lord to fill you? So really, you know, taking a heart check, guys, here and saying, am I allowing the Lord to fill my needs, my, my heart? The last one is hands. How can you get out of your comfort zone to be Jesus to someone? So again, that last one, this was talking about hands. This is the go-do, right? So think about this and talk about some really good options that you can do is how can you get out of your comfort zone to be Jesus to someone? Guys, we talked about a lot of different people in that group, right? There's so many. Uh, Poor, oppressed, the disability, um, special needs, senior saints. There are so many, so many people who need to be loved and we have the ability to share that love with them. So Absolutely, and that's what we're that email out. that's what we're called to to do, and who we're called to be is His hands and feet while we're here. But guys, once again, we love you tremendously. We have missed you during this time, and we turn you over to the able hands <laughs> of the interns and residents, eagerly awaiting and excited to see you again soon, Lord willing, uh, at church and at least and at minimum uh, in the fall. And in August when Sunday school, Lord willing, we'll get back to a regular and normal fashion. But I'm just going to close this out in prayer, Mm -hmm. and we love you tremendously. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time that we can look into your word and that we can be instructed and taught by your word. Thank you for the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Lord, thank you for how you set the pattern and example for how we are to talk and communicate about you. Lord, give us a heart for all of those that you put in our path. May we love them, as Miss Jen was talking about, 
May we communicate, uh, communicate to them the gospel and how, Lord, you are the only means of, satis of satisfaction that can come in their life. The gospel is the only hope for anyone in this world. Lord, we're living in um, just tumultuous days with everything going on, God. Just give us a renewed sense of how you are sovereign, how you are on your throne, and everything that is going on today is ultimately in the plan of redemption going exactly according to plan. Nothing is taking you by surprise, and in fact, the Bible is clear that you are sovereign and you are orchestrating everything out for your glory and our good. So give us, Lord, I, I just pray that you would give these students a wonderful summer. Give them a great, great summer of conversations with the interns and the residents as they go through certain portions of scripture. And as you lead them into the truth, let them be wonderfully profitable. And Lord, Miss Jen and myself just love them so much. Thank you for these podcasts that we've been able to do. And we just pray and trust that you were glorified in them. We love you and we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen.